No. It's enough. Even torturing you is boring. This is the small council. Alright, welcome back again. So, two episodes in one day. I cannot wait to talk about this uh, topic, which is the second uh, Hero Box for Stannis. I believe it's technically called Baratheon's Hero Box 3. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, can't wait to kind of get into this. I've been, uh, I'm surprised it took this long to get uh, get this unit box out, but uh, here it is. And with me, I have Cyrus to discuss all of the amazingness that is in this box. Uh, thank you for coming on. Yes, all the OP Baratheon goodness. I am so excited. <laughs> I, I, I kid a little bit. I give Baratheons a hard time, but they are due for some new stuff. I mean, they've been stuck with uh, the same heroes for quite a while now. So it would be good to get uh, some more options, commanders, NCUs, that sort of thing for Baratheons. I'm sure they're looking forward to it. Yep, and uh, so we're just going to do Stannis tonight. Um partially because we wanted to make it a shorter episode, also because uh, um, uh, Spencer, who is a Baratheon, pretty much a through-and-through Baratheon player, um, wanted to kind of talk about the new Baratheon stuff as well, but he works Monday through Thursday, uh, pretty much like the opposite time that Cyrus is free. So um, Friday during the day, we're going to do a third episode this week to kind of, again, make up for the fact that we haven't been on for a couple weeks for you guys. Um, and so Friday during the day, probably 11-ish, is when we're going to talk about the Runly uh, Hero Box. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And yeah, before I forget to mention... We definitely have some making up to do. We've uh, we've been off the air for a little while. I have missed a couple of my uh, buyer's guides that I've been trying to do, my extra shots. Uh, I had wrapped up my Free Folk episode, and I was in the middle of editing, and I got lazy, and I never got around to finishing it. And as I hopped on the computer to hop on this episode, the file is gone. My Free Folk... <laughs> Buyer's Guide is just gone. I, I guess I forgot to save it or something happened. So I'm going to have to redo it. So it's going to be a little while longer before I get the Free Folk, free folk Guide out, uh, which for good reason, the Free Folk Guide kind of broke me. I was not confident in it at all. Uh, one, not being a p- pure Free Folk player. I've dabbled in them. But other than that, uh, it, it was just really hard to do because I was having trouble finding bad units in Free Folk. There's units that don't get played very often, but I wouldn't necessarily call them outright bad. So it was very difficult to make a, an actual buyer's guide for them, but I'll get back on it and I'll get it redone and, and uploaded here soon. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to mention before I forget about it is uh, I mentioned it in uh, the er- the show earlier today is that I have a lot of stockpile of things that I definitely want to start giving away. I think I have, uh, I think it's like five or six starter boxes sealed um, in my oh, kind of prize pool. Yeah, uh, 
as well as like 30 unit boxes. Now granted, I'm not saying I'm going to give all of that away. So a good chunk of that is saved for my local events to kind of increase uh, kind of the prize pool. But because um, I'm, you know, a completionist, anytime a faction comes out or a unit comes out, I basically buy everything I need right on the spot. So anytime I go to these bigger events, uh, you know, I always end up winning like a starter because I usually do well enough. Like, for example, the Dragonfall, I took first there and got a, a Greyjoy starter, which, you know, uh, just added to the pile of starters I already have. So, um, so definitely stay tuned for that because I want to I wanna do another giveaway. Um, and I didn't mention this before in the other episode, but um, if... Uh, Anyone is welcome to enter, uh, even overseas. I just ask that if you are overseas and you win, you just cover, now it doesn't even have to be all the shipping, just a good chunk of it. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's, I'm already kind of giving away a starter. Uh, I don't need to, you know, spend $50 in shipping or more. Who knows at this, you know, with the way shipping's been, I would not be, you could tell, you could probably tell me any price at this point and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so that's all I ask. Um, if you are unable to, then we can, I don't know, maybe work something out. I don't know, but uh, I'm willing to be flexible. I just wanted to put it out there. Um, and then yeah, also, I, uh, I call that a humble brag. It's like, oh, I'm winning all of these tournaments. I have all of this prize support <laughs> sitting around. But no, that's not a humble brag. That's just a brag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I did mention it in the other episode is that, you know, I'm – I know I'm a good player, uh, and I do really well at a lot of events with a lot of great players. Um, how well I'll stack up to, like, the best in the world, I'm not sure. I don't really play TTS, so uh, I can't really, you know, it's hard for me to, to make that statement. But I'll, I'll just say I am confident in my ability, and sure. you could put me up against any player, and I would not feel like I don't have a chance to win. Um you know, but yeah. I know that, like, depending on the player, it might be an uphill battle, but uh, I never will walk into it like, oh, man, uh, it's this person who's ranked, you know, top 10 in the world. Oh, there's no way I can win. No, definitely not the mindset that I would have. But, uh, yeah, so. No, I, I tease. I, I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, <laughs> but the Kurt, Kurt here in Kansas City uh, my buddy, he's been on the show a couple times. He's uh, been recently on with uh, with uh, Tourney Grounds. Uh, but he had some really good ideas for price support here for our tournaments. He uh, got a hold of these Game of Thrones, like, steins, or, like, uh, these, like, uh, big, huge beer mugs uh, that were actually oh, nice. absolutely gorgeous. And then he also brought a stockpile of wooden uh, Rudis swords that have each house's uh, motto and uh, and insignias on them. Uh, so if you win a tournament with that faction, you get that faction's sword. Uh, nice. It, it was an absolutely brilliant idea. He, he floated the uh, cost for getting all of them up front, and we're just gradually uh, uh, paying them back. But, uh, yeah, that was a really, really good idea. We've been putting up pictures when we remember. Uh, we'll, we'll try to, to keep them coming. Yeah, I did something like that, uh, like pre-COVID. Um, I bought uh, a bunch of custom dice 
uh, all. So I bought the custom dice, each in the color of the house. So let's say Lannisters, I bought these nice, like, marbled, it was Chessex dice, but it was like a marbled red, um, and it had Hear Me Roar instead of the six. Um, and so I did that for every house, but then I made a separate order where it was all of the house, the same, it was the same uh, name, but all the dice were gold. So uh, you had gold dice with Hear Me Roar. So because everyone kind of pitched in and all got um, like the the regular dice, you know, the, like uh, all the Lannister players pitched in and got the Hear Me Roar, uh, the red Hear Me Roar. But then I separately on my own money, I have gold dice on all the houses. And that's what I was doing uh, for the best in faction. If you won, or not best in faction, but if you won a tournament, um, with a faction, you got two of the gold dice of your house uh, of your choice, or not of your choice, sorry, of the house that you won with. That way you had like two die that were similar to your other dice in the sense that they all said uh, the same motto, um, but you could have it for like your panic test or morale test or whatnot. We, we did socks. We, we, didn't, we didn't go with fancy dice. We got, we got Game of Thrones socks. <laughs> I won the Lannister socks for being the best Lannister player at the last tournament. <laughs> so I have some really nice. nice yellow and red hear me roar socks. Uh, but yeah, one of, if you're out there and you're ever thinking about running a tournament in your local area, you can do and like socks for an example, a really inexpensive, but kind of a cool, you know, customized uh, prize support as opposed to just, uh, unit boxes, which there's nothing wrong with giving out unit boxes for price support. I mean, there's a lot of people that really enjoy that, uh, being able to get, you know, boxes for maybe less than they would have if they had just bought them off the shelf for like their, you know, entry fee or, or whatnot. But, you know, some players, they already have all the units that they need and they don't really need more, you know, unit boxes as price support. So when you can get creative out there, uh, players tend to enjoy that. Yep, I agree. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of things you can kind of do to get creative. Uh, anyone interested in the Chessex route, uh, super cheap. If you buy it in uh, big enough bulk, you can get them for like, I think it's like 60 cents a die. Um, so uh, you just have to kind of provide the image to them. Uh, you can just go on the Chessex website and under one of their tabs, it'll give you an email to contact for custom orders. You can do this for anything. Like any image you can get them, as long as it's simple enough of an image, obviously it has to be kind of like a, more of like a stencil type image. You can't just give them some crazy artwork because it won't transfer properly onto the, the die. But, uh, but yeah, so definitely check that out. Um, I was going to mention for anyone that uh, is interested in the, when we eventually do do the giveaway, um, one requirement for sure will be just to like our Facebook page um, if you have not already. Um, if you've already liked it, you don't have to worry. Uh, and then there might be another stipulation, like uh, I might make a post and then you have to comment on it. Um, or whatnot. I don't know what the case may be, but I'll announce it. But just wanted are to throw that out there. But, are show members exempt? Uh, yes. <laughs> Damn. But not, but not, uh, but not host uh, family. So, oh, okay. uh, 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. You... I'm gonna I'm gonna get my brother into the game. I swear. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, with that said, I think we can kind of jump into the topic, uh, which is going over everything in the Stannis hero box. Uh, so I wanted to go over the attachments first. The first one I wanted to bring up, just because I think it's a, an easy one to talk about, is Justin Massey. So he is a two-point attachment that gives you battle plan, so start of any turn, discard two Texas cards to search your tactics deck for any one card and add it to your hand, then shuffle your tactics deck. Then he also gives the order threaten. When this unit activates, target one enemy in long range, they become weakened. So the reason I say this one will be easy to talk about is we uh, just talked about this, almost this exact card, which would be uh, from Martell's. If you uh, look at, let me find him real quick, um, Arrow uh, Hota, he gives battle plan, and instead of threaten, he gives mark target. So. Um, I'll say the same thing I said with Hota, and I think that this just is not going to be seen. You're just not going to see this at two points. Because um, battle plan, in my opinion, is like half of a point, just because there's rarely a card you need so bad that you need to discard two cards to get it, like right away. Um, now, uh, Baratheons, even though they generate a ton of tokens, weakened is the token you see the least. So that is something. And it is slightly better than Mark Target for the fact that uh, um, you don't need Line of Sight uh, to do it. Now, granted, it's when you activate rather than start of a friendly turn, so I guess that is sort of a the trade-off there. Um, but I was talking to, uh, I think it was Spencer, about this. I think Battle Plan would be a bajillion times better if it was exactly the way it is now, but it had the extra stipulation that you only had to discard one card if you controlled the mail. And that would be for any faction, because I think there's Hota, uh, this guy, and is it... Greyjoys, uh, someone else has Battle Plan. I forget who. Is it Lannisters? Night's Watch have it. Oh, okay, Night's Watch. So I think, you know, having, even though not all these factions want the letters, I know Baratheons do, uh, I think just because it deals with tactics cards and the letters gives you a tactics, it gives you tactics cards, I would just say add that stipulation. If you control the letter, you only have to discard one card to go search for a card. Um, so, I don't know, maybe that'd be too strong. Maybe they did have it that way, who knows? And maybe they found it to be too strong. That's why it ended up being the way it is right now. I just don't feel like, I don't know. I think Threaten is, you could argue, is one point. I mean, uh, I occasionally run the Martell attachment that gives Threaten for one point. But two-point attachments... Two points is hefty. Uh, in my opinion, I think it almost has to be two and a half points worth of abilities to be worth investing two points in a unit. Because um, even if you take each ability and you're like, okay, each of these is one point, that's a lot of points to put into a unit that it almost has to be like two and a half points. I don't know. What's your thoughts on all that? 
All right. So my thoughts are going to be a little all over the place. First off, uh, when it comes to Battle Plan and Night's Watch, I hate it. I do not like <laughs> Sam, uh, the two-point Sam attachment in Night's Watch, because the discarding of two Taxus cards in Night's Watch is too punishing. Those are cards that unless you bring it back out with Jor, you are never going to get the opportunity to attach it to one of your units. And you're having to discard two of them to draw one card, which it could be a good card. It could be an Assault Orders, or it could be a For the Watch. But it's just too punishing in that case. Uh, but in this case, I actually think that Justin Massey is good. Baratheon, particularly Stannis' side, lack a lot of card draw. They don't have very many ways of getting through their deck. And they have units that can tutor cards back out of their discard pile. With Battle Plan, you could drop Conviction and Justice to be able to go get Tactical Approach and make sure you have that out on the field. Uh, you could drop one of their worst cards in Sustained Assault because you're never going to need it. Baratheons have a lot more options for cards that they can discard to be able to get one of their best cards out of their deck, be it, you know, ours is the Fury. If they're running uh, Kingsmen, they don't have to worry about discarding ours is the Fury early in the game because they know they're going to be able to get it back later. Uh, or they can pull it out of their deck if they know that they have a big attack coming. You know, Final Strike, for instance. Uh, so I think if Battle Plan is going to work, I think Stanisad Baratheon is the place that it's going to work in. Uh, on top of that, Threaten, it's a good order. You don't have to worry about it overlapping with, let's say, Tywin's issue commands like it does with uh, Tywin Commander and Lannister side. Uh, you just activate and you get to throw out a weakened token. I don't think there's going to be any overlaps with uh, Baratheon's side. So I think it's good. I don't think it's as bad as other battle plans are, and I think it's actually going to be pretty welcome to some Stannis players that just get tired of their best cards being at the bottom of their deck. So, yeah, I think I'm on the other side of them. Yeah, I mean, I definitely uh, I agree with you that uh, they definitely have everything kind of needed to make it work with what you're saying, um, having a lot of cards that you don't mind discarding. Um, I guess my other problem still ends up being at two points, and you're already spending, let's say, then seven points on the Kingsman and seven points on the Queensman. Uh, two points is a lot to ask for. Uh, for something that doesn't necessarily increase your offense or defense. It's more of a support piece. So a, a, a support attachment at two points, it's just a big ask. Uh, but I think that if, like you said, I think if um, if it's going to work somewhere, it's going to work in Baratheon. So um, I guess I'll reserve my final judgment for after we've getting, gotten some uh, play testing in with it because um, – like you were saying with Night's Watch, and then so far what I've seen with Martell's, the battle plan just, it's not worth it 
in those two factions because you can't really do the things that you were just mentioning with the tactics card. So we'll we'll see uh, we'll see how the Justin plays out. I think if you throw um, him in uh, mercenaries and get that point discount, you might be able to justify it with the knowledge that you're going to be able to get cards when you need them. Yep, I, I think. Uh, yeah, that might be the best place, especially when you're, especially at least initially when you're first experimenting with him to just, just to see if like it pays off, especially taking him in mercenaries to just cheapen up some things. Um, that way you can still afford the, you know, because you're, let's just assume two NCUs for eight points and then, um, Probably let's realistically probably nine points because you're going to, want to take Mel if you're taking more of a, a reward-ish theme with the Queensmen, but not necessarily I suppose. Um, it's a lot of points, so yeah, I think mercenaries might be your best bet at that point. Um, next up we have Dale Seaworth, so he gives Davos's vassal. This model counts as Davos Seaworth when it's unit is being targeted by Texas cards and he gives Counter-Strike. Each time this unit is attacked with a melee attack for each miss, the attacker suffers one hit. Um, so I'm going to pull it up just for clarification. Uh, he is one point, um, but for um, Davos in particular, he is the only things he's going to get um, to kind of take advantage of for being Davos would be where is it? Parlay. For Parlay, he'll get to heal. Uh, if you use Parlay on his unit, he'll be able to heal, but then he also heals the unit that you Parlay. Um, nothing for Fealty to the Crown. Uh, everything, I believe, does nothing. Flea Bottom Tricks will allow you to um, pivot and then perform a march rather than just a maneuver. So, uh, I don't know. I almost feel like at that point, the vassal is almost worthless. Almost. Because the flea bottom trick part is pretty nifty. But, I mean, I've used parlay a pretty decent amount. I've never actually used the heal effect. Even if I could heal, it often was going to help my opponent out by healing them more than it was going to help me by healing. So I just cho chose not to heal. Um, so just having flea bottom tricks, I mean, granted, he is only one point. So you got to ask yourself, is the counter strike worth one point? Obviously, he's not going to be going in any Wardens because Wardens have Counter-Strike. Um, so, yeah, uh, what do you think? Uh, I'm trying to figure out if this is going to have any interaction with the new Vassal FAQ. He's not going to become like Satin is where you can say that he counts as a commander for game mode purposes, will he? This model counts as Davos Seaworth. No, because uh, 
the whatchamacallit, uh, Satin, he uh, the commander. says, yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's not going to be any weird shenanigans as far as that goes. Uh, it's a it's a minor benefit for the cards, and then Counter Strike, unless you pair that with abilities like uh, Disrupt or uh, Agile, uh, Counter Strike doesn't come up very often. Now, in conjunction with throwing out weakened tokens, maybe if you're running Dale and Justin Massey in the same list, but it, typically you don't stack up on a bunch of attachments in, in most games. So that's going to be unlikely. Uh, yeah. Stavos is not run very often as a commander as it is. He's actually looked at as being one of the lower ends because of his sacrifice of final strike from the deck with that. And, uh, kind of the mehness of, what Dale's bringing to the table, he's probably not going to be run very often. Now, I almost think because Davos is considered to be kind of the weakest commander, arguably, for all of Baratheon's, not just Stannis' side, um, I almost say that, like, they should have just made Dale Seaworth free. You know, as a way to in, invert, uh, like, in as a like incidental, make Davos get a little boost himself. You know, yeah, they wouldn't like, even have like how they yeah. like how they tried to do with Brienne the Blue, have her be free in yep. a Renly list. Yeah. So I think making Dale Seaworth just flat out free, even with his abilities as Vassal and Counter Strike, because as we said, or as I said, Vassal in this instance is, you know, it almost does nothing, almost. Does a, a couple cool little tricks that you could do, but really it, it's gonna. You might get, in my opinion, you might get to use Vassal once per game. In the sense that, you know, how often are you gonna target his unit with the two cards that can target him? You know, um, so, uh, so yeah, I would say as is probably not really gonna see him, but. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Um, I like Davos. I think he's fun and interesting. He's not really competitive, but um, you know, it's. I guess it is what it is. Uh, Counter Strike. Uh, I have to really kind of experiment because I think Counter Strike maybe on the right unit could be really good. Uh, the problem being is, you know, a lot of the units are seven or eight points. You know, you, do you really pay a point to put Counter Strike on them? So, I don't know. Uh, All right. So, oh, go ahead. I was trying to think if there's any. No, there isn't. I was looking to see if there's any interaction because the new vassal rules are much more uh, kind of blanket uh, rule for. Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Uh, no, there's not going to be any interaction there. I was wondering if he had any interaction with the Davos attachment or NCU, but there isn't. But it's just the the new vassal wording for the FAQ kind of makes you wonder on some things, especially with how the wording on Satin turned out. That was pretty wild. But 
Uh, I was just making <laughs> sure that there wasn't any other way of uh, Devin doing anything else. Yep. All right. So lastly, for the attachments, we have Brian. He is one point giving uh, – let me check just to make sure one point, right? Yep. Um, he's giving true conviction. This is the one that applies for range or melee. If this unit is a Brathian unit, each time it, it – uh, each time it attacks an enemy with more remaining ranks, it may reroll any attack dice, and it has protection of the crown. While you control the crown, each time this unit is attacked, it may reroll any defense dice. Um, I think this attachment is, even though both abilities are uh, have stipulations, one being tied to the crown, one being tied to having less ranks. I think he is easily worth one point. Rerolling defense dice is amazing. Uh, and getting the crown, something you already want, isn't that hard. Um, I think there's a lot of cool units that you could kind of put this in. If you really want to make Queensmen even, you know, even more undesirable to attack than they already are, you put him in them. Because uh, <laughs> now you're rerolling that three-up save, and if they by a chance... Uh, get you to less ranks, you are now re-rolling all of your dice against them. Um, you could uh, also put him um, in a unit a, of, uh, you know, to just kind of be funny, you could uh, run like two Lightbringers, put him That's in one and Davos yep. in yep. the other. And that way you have two units with uh, true conviction in them. If I'm if I remember that correctly, uh, Davos gives true yeah. conviction, doesn't he? Yep. yep. Yeah. I mean, the protection of the crown may seem like it won't ever take effect, you know. But even if it did, you you know, you could be a little more uh, um, what's the word? A little more risky with your unit of. Uh, Lightbringers, if you know you already have the crown and you move up into a position and they try charging you and you have that re-rollable four-up, right? They have a four-up save? Yeah, yeah. It's it's really so, silly yeah. for, for a ranged <laughs> unit to have good armor. Yep, and now you have, you're bringing your Lightbringers back to their seven points, which, you know, isn't that big of a deal, but now you have rerolls uh, potentially with all your uh, ranged attacks because uh, you know you can Melisandre onto them, um, and uh, or you can you could uh, Davos to heal from him onto another unit to take out ranks that way, um, and then you can Melisandre onto uh, Brian, take out some of your own guys slowly and uh and give them um and make their ranks go down that way. Does Mel give vicious on all attacks or only melee? I think it's uh just on melee. Could be wrong. Yeah, it's melee. But yeah, so I don't think it'll be the best combo to put him in lightbringers, but I think it'd be interesting. So you can do some really funny stuff. So I really like Protection of the Crown. You see that ability on Eris Oakheart and Lannisters. 
and it, it could be really, really useful, especially when you're dealing with stuff with free armor. Uh, you get that on, uh, on you know, even just wardens, and that's just, that's just going to be a really tough unit to, to break through on. Bit of a spoiler alert, though, for later in the, the uh, when we start talking about the commanders, uh, Baratheons are getting regrouped and reformed. And you're going to be able to move him around to different units in your army, potentially giving them re-rolls on their defense dice or re-rolls on their attack dice if you move him into a unit that's already taken some damage. It's going to be really annoying to deal with this guy. And he's going to be he's he's going to have the tendency of being in a place where you least want him to be. I think you're going to see uh, faring in quite a few lists, to be honest, and ranged units making them really hard to deal with in a ranged unit versus ranged unit fight. If Lightbringers are re-rolling their defense saves, you're going to have a hard time breaking through them, and they're probably going to break through you before you get through them. If you do that double Lightbringers thing with Davos, you can have Davos supply aid back to Byron's unit, and then the next round regroup and reform and put Byron in the other unit that took the supply aid, and now he's back down to two ranks and gets his rerolls back. I mean, just goofy stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, even if you don't move him around, even if you just supply aid uh, models out of that unit so that they can start getting rerolls, um, will can be enough in itself, I think. Um, all right, so next up we can talk about the NCUs. Uh, first, we'll talk about Crescent. He is a five-point NCU, and his ability is, uh, I'll start with the bottom ability, um, it's Loving Council. Each time Crescent claims the crown, you may replace that zone's effect with draw two taxes cards and place any one condition token on an enemy combat unit. And then he has Sacrifice for the King. At the start of any round, you may activate Crescent. If you do, destroy Crescent at the end of the round. Um, I want to say if he was four points, he'd be very useful, um, pretty good. Uh, as is, I think he, I don't know, I think, I don't know, it's hard to say. So I guess he does give you kind of that backup that if your opponent takes the letter over, uh, from you before you can draw, you know, and draw the cards before you do, it allows you to take the crown, still get a zone you need, and replace it and still get that better effect. But it is a replace effect, and only if you take the crown now, where it really makes it iffy is that once uh, the at the start of the round effect, as uh, someone mentioned, you can run uh, like kind of a goofy Vargo list and trigger this and Vargo's start of the turn attack card, and you can free attack with Vargo's card and then have him claim the swords, or you have him claim the swords first, attack, and then you have Vargo go with his card and attack. Then your opponent gets to activate an NCU if they wish, 
and then if it's your round to go first, you do another thing. Um, so that's like kind of a goofy combo you can do. But uh, but otherwise, let's say goofy combo aside, I don't know. I I think he he would have been great at like just a really good four pointer. But at five points, I mean that's asking a lot, especially because you know being a Stannis loyalty, you're talking taking this guy instead of Mel because I, I can't really see you paying 10 points taking Mel and then him. Uh, what are your thoughts? You're high. Crescent is I'm... excellent. <laughs> He's what? Is, Crescent is excellent. That's it. You're high. He's nah, really you're good. crazy. No, he is really, really good. At the start of a round where you're going to go first, you can take the swords and then attack again, getting back-to-back attacks before your opponent can react with your best offensive unit that you just got engaged, probably with a unit that's already taken some damage. You can get yourself out of trouble. You could retreat and then charge back in. Uh, That sacrifice ability is just as good as Corrin's. I would put that up against Corrin's because it just it gives you so much versatility to start a round. You could, if your opponent's going to go first and your unit's about to die, you can retreat that unit out of there before they can deal with it. Uh, the, the <laughs> Crescent is really good. Now the Loving Council, I think that is you know perfectly fine being able to replace the crown for a uh, the effect of the letters basically. Uh, that's normally what Peter Baelish is there for. You activate Peter, you put him on the crown, you take the effect of the letters, basically forcing your opponent to take the letters next. Otherwise, you uh, get to use it twice. In this situation, you could just go ahead and claim the letters, and if your opponent doesn't block the crown, you're going to get to take the crown and get even more cards and get through your deck even faster and get to your best cards and throw out a bunch more condition tokens. I mean, tip, the typical play is for you to go to the, to the letters to put out a token, then your opponent goes to the bag and then removes the token. But they're going to have you know some some decisions to make. To, do they block the crown to keep Crescent from claiming it, or do they take the bag, or or do they do they leave the horse open? I mean, it, it's going to force some difficult decisions on your opponent, especially in the early rounds. And then once you get to that critical point in the game where potentially back-to-back attacks could kill the unit or you have a unit that's on its last legs that you need to hurry up and heal and get out of there, uh, Crescent opens up so many doors. I think he is great. And if they had made him any cheaper than the five points he is, he would have been stupid broken. Uh, I think he's really good as he is. Uh, Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I still don't think he'll be run that much. Um, I think a lot of it's like great on paper sort of a thing because the problem I've seen people run into with kind of like you were saying, if if uh, you take the letter and then they don't block the crown, I mean, even people with Peter Baelish who, let's say, cover up the crown and then target the letter, and then you don't take the letter, and then the letter's open, they never end up taking the letter. Why? Because you can't. You usually don't use the cards that fast, and you don't want to have to discard a bunch of cards out of your hand 
most of the time. Obviously, there are going to be some scenarios where you'll have a bunch of cards that you don't really care for in your hand. But uh, depending on your commander, if you don't have a lot of cards in your deck that feel like are easy triggers that you could just use just to use them, um, usually, you know, because you start with three, you do the uh, you do the letter, you have your max of five. So if you then do that effect again, you're discarding two cards. Or at best, a lot of times, you may be able to use one card and then you have to discard at least one to then draw more. Um, I, I think killing a whole NCU, that's definitely going to have to be like a late game thing. As far as like the comparison to Corrin, uh, you know, I've I considered Corn such an amazing NCU, but no one's running him, as far as I'm, you know, aware. Like I, I can't remember the last time I've ever seen Corn used, uh, even with how strong I think his uh, sacrifice ability is. So, because it, it's a lot to ask to sacrifice a five-point NCU. Because if you're running a five-point NCU, more than likely you're only running two NCUs. Now, I say that even though I have a list currently with Martells that runs three NCUs, one being five points. But generally, you know, if you're running three NCUs, it's probably three four-pointers. So if you have this five-pointer, now you've got to ask yourself, especially if your opponent is three NCUs, do you want to kill this NCU anything short of round five uh, in order to pull off a certain combo. So, like I said, I think it definitely is possible that I'm wrong. I'm not like, it's not like a hill I, I'm willing to die on. Uh, I think it, it'll definitely have to be something I kind of witness, uh, like, in person. Um, all right, so last uh, NCU, one of, uh, or two of two, we have Patch Face. So, he is a four point NCU, which is he has misunder misunderstood omens. Patch face begins the game with three order tokens on him. At the start of any round, you may expend one order token from him. If you do, you may state the name of a tactics card. If your opponent has one or more tactics cards in their hand with that name, they must discard one tactics card with that name. Um I think he's amazing. Uh I think um, I almost feel like this ability almost like speaks for itself. Uh, any problem cards that you are worried about, you just, you know, blindly name them three rounds in a row. Uh, especially if it's not like something that you have to worry about early, like, uh, like an endless horde. Obviously those like you have to worry about from round one, but let's say, um, let's just say round three, four, five, like, any super problem cards, you just, those three rounds, just yeah, this card, this card, this card, you know, whether it be, uh, I don't know, um, Final Strikes or, uh, I don't know, what are some other key cards? What would you say? So here's the thing. The way that this works, being at the beginning of the round, this happens before start of turn effects. So you could pop Battle Endurance if you think that they just drew it and they haven't had it, you know, in the first two rounds. Maybe they just drew it when they discarded their whole hand to be able to draw three because they're fishing for it. You can make them toss it. <laughs> you can make uh, yep. an opponent drop counterplot if you're worried about them stopping your cards. I mean, 
the, the whole game's wide open. Uh, this I think is better than counterplot because it, this this opportunity to fail still gives you something if it fails. Like with counterplot, if you fail to make your roll, it's a dead card and it's it's done. It it has no more usefulness. Patchface. If he fails to discard a card, you know they don't have that card in their hand. As long as they're not lying. Call the TO over to double check if you're worried. Ah, this this right here. Why do other factions get better control than the Lannisters do? I will never understand it. The Martells have better <laughs> control than the Lannisters. Baratheons are getting better control than the Lannisters. This is nuts. This is how I think counterplot should have worked. Because if you think about counterplotting, you're you're getting ahead of what your opponent is is doing and you're 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 you're, you know, scheming in advance to be able to stop them. That's what this is. It's like I think you're going to do this and I'm going to stop you. No, this is just a fool with a crazy looking outfit on and horns coming out of his head. Just saying, you don't get to do what you want to do. Deal with it. I I, I don't understand. But this, this NCU is absolutely insane. Uh, this would have been fine as a once per game. And he gets to do it three times. Absolutely insane. Yep. I, I think, uh, you know, I think people... Once they let's say they're on the fence about it or they're not convinced, I think once people realize how good he is, they'll have officially found their easy second and second or third NCU. Because that's the one problem I've always had building with Baratheons is sometimes I feel like their NCUs are just okay. Like some of them, some of them are like Mel is like really good or whatnot. So, um, but I feel like he's so good at four points, and then you like combine him with Littlefinger. And then now you have the justification to maybe leave Mel at home and try for a three, uh, four point NCU um, lineup. And uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, he is the perfect counter to that one tactics card that you are worried about. <clears throat> or even, you know, because uh, let's even say, uh, you know, you could trick your opponent even into drawing or to taking the mail you know because let's say round two you leave the mail open on purpose knowing that round two they might not be able to play any cards you let them draw two more cards and so now they have five in hand so that at the start of round three you have you know a decent shot of sniping that card out of their hand because let's say they had three at round one and they discarded some and then they drew more in round two and then they mail for more. I mean, the odds that they have the card that you don't want to see is pretty high. So um, I think like potentially leaving your opponent to taking the letter round two could be a strategy with patch face. And there's other effects in the game that you have to pull a certain card that he just feeds right into, like some abilities that you have to pull a commander card. Or if you're going up against Mance and he plays the long plan, he's probably going in and getting Endless Horde 
So, you know, that's coming. I mean, uh, you know, Cersei and, and Tommen only being able to get certain cards out of their deck using their abilities, so you'll know they'll be present. It's, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm struggling with, with the power level of this. I think that he's going to be played a lot, and it is going to cause, you know, at least some trouble because uh, th- th- I guarantee there's going to be situations where he, the the player that owns Patchface is going to call out a card, and the opponent's going to say, "I don't have it," and you're going to continue on, and then you, you know a few turns later, and they're going to play the cards like I thought you said you didn't have that. Well, I just drew it. Well, when did you draw, draw that? And then it's just going to lead to this whole thing. It's like. Uh, it's it's going to be it's it's going to be excuse me it's going to require some uh, housekeeping and and good manners just to make sure that everybody's staying on the up and up with it. This isn't like what we talked about with the uh, the the tournament etiquette with the the card draw. It's like when you go into your deck to get a card, do you have to show that card to your opponent? Can you keep it secret? Well, how do you know that they pulled the card that they were supposed to pull? Well, I could put it on the table over here off to the side and, and then use it when it's necessary. I, I won't put it back in my hand. That way that you know that card is the card that's supposed to be. Uh, that's not going to be the situation with this uh, with this patch face. The, the opponent's just going to have to be honest and, and not try to get one over on their opponent. And if you think that's going to happen, you're going to have to call the TO over to watch their hand when you make the call and make sure that they discard it they're supposed to. Ah. It's frustrating with these type of effects. Yeah, I would say, though, um, if you want to, like, kind of alleviate a little bit of the, atten- uh, uh, the tension, is if you're, in, obviously, in a casual setting, I would say just just trust them. You know, even if you feel like you might not be able to, I would say if it's really a casual game, treat it casual and don't, you know, Nothing else needs to be said. Just play, play it as is. In a tournament setting, no matter how casual, I'd say just so that uh, no argument comes of it, just to, as a precaution, really. Just say right from the start of the game, hey, whether or not it's that you have patch face or they have patch face. I would even say if it's yourself. Take the extra step so that your opponent doesn't feel like you... Um, or sorry, if yeah, if your opponent has patch face, I would say go the extra step to even say this as well, and that's just right at the start of the game, just be like, hey, just for clarification, uh, just to cover all of our bases, whenever patch face is used, we'll have uh, a judge come over and clear or, and uh, double check to make sure that everything's kosher. You know, everything's all good. We don't have to worry about anything, and we have a third party that can clarify uh, that way you know because I would not doubt it it probably won't happen often but I would not be surprised if you're going to run into that situation where let's say me and you are playing and your Lannisters and I'm you know I have patched face and I go uh, start of the round I'm going to name um, counterplot and you go uh, nope I don't have it and then you proceed to play counterplot and then I argue, and you go, no, you didn't say counterplot. You said this card. Like, no, I, I clearly said counterplot. He's like, no, I, I swear you said this card. And 
you know, and it could be completely genuine. You know, you could it could be just a completely a complete misunderstanding. Um, especially, you know, what a you know you might have misspoke and said the wrong card. Um, it just kind of goes back to that, uh, you know, like you're saying, the gaming etiquette. Just cover your bases, because um, the worst thing that can happen is you're playing a completely competitive game, but you're both having a lot of fun, and it's a really good game, and something super silly sours the whole experience. Um, you know, you have that one bad thing where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, something that was really fun turns into this heated argument, and both players immediately assume the worst. You know, they just... And it can just be a misunderstanding. So that would be my my way to go about it. Is you just right from the get go, not when it's convenient um, for one person or the other. Just at the beginning of the game, just say, "Hey, whenever patch face is used, let's just have a judge um, uh, confirm." Like yeah, I said, that'd be whether or not whether or not who has patch face. It's not that I don't trust my opponent. It's that I don't trust anyone. <laughs> well, I mean, you are uh, originally a Lannister player, so <laughs> uh, it's it's that it's that old adage: trust but verify. Yeah, <laughs> it's trust but not trust. <laughs> All right, let's move so, on to the uh, to the next. Uh, what well, we got? The commanders next. Yep. So first commander just because we got to save Mr. you know the king himself for last uh even though I think this next guy is uh really cool uh Justin Massey so his commander ability is he gets tactical reposition start of an enemy turn target one friendly unit in short range they perform a 3 inch shift and then he gives inspiring presence this morale this unit's morale stat becomes a 5 uh, so he doesn't have kind of like Asha or Mance where he extend, gives that uh, morale to others. He's only changing his own. But I still think that's really good. Now, granted, being in the Stannis side of things, um, correct? Like he's he's Stannis? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, for a second, I thought I maybe added him in when I shouldn't have. Um, so... Granted, being on the stand side of things, that five-up morale, you're, you're really going to have to find a unit to put him in because what um, I was thinking uh, cutthroats would be kind of nifty. Uh, That's what I was thinking, you know. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, let's just go over, I guess, everything else, though, because you're talking uh, king uh, queensmen, already five-up faithful. You're making them worse. Um, Stagnites. Already a five. Um, wardens, you'd give them a plus one. Uh, Kingsmen, you give are giving a plus one, correct? They're a six, or did they change them to a five? I think they're a six. Um, what else do we got? Uh, Sentinels, I guess, because um, they're a seven, right? Uh, no, they're six. Oh, they're... I think. Are they? Yeah, you're right. They're a six. So most things in the Baratheon faction, you're you're basically just giving that unit a plus one morale. The, that means it's not even equal. It's worse than just having um, uh, stalwart. So 
I mean, even putting him in the cutthroats that we're both suggesting, that's still just equivalent to stalwart. So even though the idea of inspiring presence seems like a cool thing, uh, it's not that great. It's just, I guess, nifty that you can kind of be like, okay, what has a crappy morale? Let's stick them in there. Um, I mean, you could even say Bloody Mummers because um, that is kind of like their one weak, like huge weakness in my opinion because even though they have a bad armor save, it's really that morale that uh, scares me when I'm using them. Um, uh, dervishes. Yep, Dervishes. Uh, but that tactical reposition. Having played a lot of Martells lately, I love tactical reposition. It's so useful, especially when, you know, because a lot of my lists have two spearmen. I mean, granted, you're only going to have one with him, and I've only ever had one in the past when running, like, Rob Commander. But uh, tactical reposition, once you've used it enough times and you kind of can use it at that key moment to really help you out, like Justin Massey, even just putting him in... um, uh, what was that? Uh, I mean, you could put them in Lightbringers, but I mean, really, what, you're only gaining a plus one morale? You could put them in um, uh, Stormcrow Archers to make them a five-up morale, and now you can tactical reposition yourself out of range. You could you could move up barely in range to shoot your opponent, uh, your archers into their archers, and then tactical reposition yourself out of range of them. So it, uh, I guess we could talk about their cards real quick. Normally that's okay. what I do, but yeah, that's um, uh, so he gives <coughs> sudden retreat after an enemy completes a melee attack. The defender uh, target the defender. They perform one retreat action. This is his unit and may reroll any retreat distance. Um, Let's see. Uh, precious supplies. After an enemy completes a melee attack, target the defender. They remove all condition tokens. If they have one destroyed rank, they restore one wound. If they have two, you restore two. Or sorry, if they have two destroyed ranks, you restore th- restore three wounds. And if it's his unit, you restore one extra wound. And then regroup and reform. Start of a friendly turn. Target two friendly infantry units in long range of each other. Remove four up to four models from one of these units. Store that many wounds to another. You may then move one attachment from one of these units to the other, placing one model as normal and keeping the usual attachment restrictions, or switch two friendly attachments in those units. I think the more I read these three cards, though, even makes a a bigger argument to put him in a ranged unit, because you could have them charge you, attack you, and then play Sudden Retreat to unengage your ranged unit, and because it's his unit, you can reroll that retreat distance. Um, and uh, what was it? Um, the precious supplies as well. Um, you could heal your own unit. Granted, you couldn't play both of those because they do have a uh, the same trigger. But uh, what are, what are your thoughts overall about this guy? I I think he's really good. There's the definite potential of shenanigans with this now. Uh, there's more than one regroup and reform. I know Free Folk have it. Uh, what was it? Is it Greyjoys that have the other regroup and reform? Yeah, it's slightly different, but yeah, it's um, a rating call. Mm. So in this case, uh, Free Folk can't, but Baratheon can bring 
uh, Stormcrow mercenaries, and you could bring a free attachment in the mercenaries and then swap them out to a different unit and essentially get that attachment for free or the one-point discount, whatever. In fact, you could even... I mean, free swap... folk can do that. Right, with the raiders, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So but go you ahead. do that. Uh, in fact, you could swap what you got with Justin Mastian because he's got the inspiring presence. You could make them mercenaries uh, back down to, to five morale, and it will have essentially got you a free attachment that you could put in another unit that you normally would not have been able to get. I like dervishes with the combination of the swift strike and the sudden retreat. They're going to be nearly impossible to pin down, and he you know, fixes one of the big problems with the dervishes. That's their seven morale. Makes them a four defense, five morale. Uh, pretty decent on the attack, super maneuverable. I mean, that's going to be... That's going to be tough to deal with. Uh, that's something that uh, the Baratheons don't really have is super maneuverable, uh, survivable uh, infantry. Now, th- they have it somewhat in Renly's side with the Thorn Watch. They're kind of hard to, to get a hold of, but Stanisite doesn't. Uh, and with the precious supplies, I mean, if you do actually do a significant amount of damage, they could just potentially heal it right back up. And... Uh, uh, yeah, the, the cards are really good, really uh, unique in, in Baratheons. I think uh, only uh, Davos has kind of the maneuvering and the, uh, the healing tricks. Uh, most of the other commanders are leaning heavily into the offense. So, yeah, he's a good change-up. He provides uh, some... Uh, some new tricks for the stand side to be able to play with. Definitely a welcome addition. Yeah, I think uh, I was talking to Spencer about him, and he brought up a pretty decent point, is that he kind of does, uh, you can almost like directly compare him to Davos, and he's just, he's almost better in every way. Um, you know, the his tactics cards all do very similar things. Like regroup and reform is very similar to uh, ju- uh, he everything. Spencer, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I'm going to bring them all up just so I can. Uh, yeah, it's very similar to everything, but better. Uh, let's see, what else was it? Um, his, uh, his precious supplies is an easier. Uh, trigger than the fealty usually um, with a more guaranteed uh, boost with it being his unit rather than needing the crown. Then you have sudden retreat. Um, let's see, what was it? Uh, similar to um, kind of like the flea bottom tricks in the sense that they're both like letting you move in a sense. Um, uh, after the completion of an uh, enemy attack. And then on top of all of it, because he doesn't have a fourth card like Davos, you get to keep arguably the best card in their deck, which is uh, Final Strike. And then you compare their abilities, and it's the morale boost and uh, the tactical reposition over the uh, outflank ability, which is considered really bad, and Pathfinder, which you know obviously is decent, um, and you can pull a little shenanigans with it, but I think just the 
Justin is just basically going to make Davos of what little he was ever seen play almost non-existent because those that wanted that maneuverability and would take Davos because of it are now just going to look at Justin and, and run him just because and run him over Davos just because. So I don't know. Uh, I really like Davos in the books. I love his character. A little sad to see that you know he's kind of on the lower on the low end of the spectrum of uh, performance. But Justin, I think, is really good. Um, and I kind of, the more I talk about it, the more I kind of think that he's just going to be designed, uh, or not designed, but he's he's going to really find a home in range units, whether that be the Lightbringers or the Archers. At least that's probably where I'm going to run him to start. All right. Last on our list, Stannis Baratheon, King at the Wall. So he gives the order Insight. When this unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack gains vicious and rolls its highest attack die value, and he gives stubborn tenacity. Each time this unit passes a panic test, one enemy they're engaged with suffers one wound. He has, uh, his three taxi cards are, first one is ride him down. When an enemy ends a maneuver, march, or retreat action, target one friendly cavalry unit in long range, and they can charge that enemy. It performs one charge action on that enemy. If it, is, if it successfully charges that enemy, instead of performing an attack, a melee attack, that enemy becomes panicked and suffers two hits for each remaining rank in this unit. Has on the double. When an unengaged friendly cavalry unit activates, once this turn, if that unit performs a maneuver action, it gains plus three move for that maneuver action. Then it becomes vulnerable. And last one is muster. When a friendly cavalry unit is performing a retreat action, before rolling retreat distance dice, enemies this unit disengages, disengages from cannot pivot. After this unit completes its retreat action, it may perform one maneuver action. And if this unit is uh, Stannis's unit, it also restores D3 plus one wound for destroyed ranks. Um, so I, I'll let you kind of go first on this one because I'm sort of on the fence. Okay, so I am totally bitter that Baratheon got a mounted commander before the Lannisters did. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen a Tywin mounted commander, but no. We get the commander that lost to Ramsey Bolton. That's just that's just great. Uh, no, uh, I'm, I'm joking. Okay, so to be serious, uh, the suite of abilities on Stannis' attachment is not impressive. The insight ability is arguably one of the worst abilities in the game because it's an order that gives you vicious, which is just okay, and you roll your highest attack die value, which is less beneficial on a cavalry unit than it can be for an infantry unit because you're dealing with two ranks instead of three. So you may only be gaining an additional two attack dice, maybe three if you have them in Flayed Men. Uh, Stubborn Tenacity is okay. Uh, you could potentially continue to proc it if you fire into combat, 
So you could potentially have Stannis in Champions of the Stag with their five morale. A uh, problem with that is, is he does not have Iron Resolve like some of his other attachments have. And if you're firing into combat and potentially proccing your own panic test, if you start failing those, uh, you're going to be in trouble. So you have to be careful with with that. Uh, on the double, I really like. You could potentially have that on some of the fast cav in the game. Like maybe Stannis makes you want to run Zorse Riders. And you could have Zorse Riders fly up the field. Uh, what, what would that be? Uh, 21 inches, uh, just completely flipping the table, uh, get them in position the next round that your opponent had no idea they were going to be there, uh, ride them down, uh, gets, uh, gets a bad rap. It's, uh, it, it keeps your opponent from being able to run away from you. If you have your champions of the stag, uh, engaged with a unit and they're trying to get out of combat because champs are so good in prolonged engagements, uh, you can keep them from getting away and just, uh, just, you know, keep them, keep them tied up and the hits that they're fine, that they're nothing to sneeze at. But, but the, the, the real key to that is, is it's going to negate their retreat or it's going to negate their ability to maneuver in uh, such a way to maybe you know keep you from from doing what you want to do. Uh, muster is a really interesting one. What I see when I look at muster is uh, some very interesting shenanigans with the Dragonstone Noble. The Dragonstone Noble with their uh, solo rider ability gives them a free retreat action when they start their activation. So. They can activate, do their retreat action. Enemies will not be able to pivot. Then they can do a maneuver and then charge back in. Uh, and also, if they were on the, if they had already taken some wounds, they could potentially heal. But in that scenario, if you're dealing with DSN that already has two wounds on them, and you're going to be able to get a free rear or flank charge with your four auto hits and three dice, uh, that's going to be pretty juicy. For what uh, the, what gives them the maneuver? So after this unit completes its retreat action, it may perform one maneuver action. So they're getting the best of both worlds. Their solo rider gives them oh, a free okay. retreat, and then they get a free maneuver on top of that. And the so enemy cannot probably retreat. Roll distance. Enemies cannot pivot. It's retreat may form maneuver. Actually, even if you were, um, you know, the next part is if you're Stannis. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. I think uh, that could be a, a really cool combo. Yeah, pretty pretty sneaky stuff. Uh, uh, DSN aside, uh, you could uh, do some pretty interesting maneuvering uh, with this card with some of your other units as well. Uh, you could get a free retreat from the horse and get disengaged from a unit that you didn't want to be engaged with. And if you roll well between that and the maneuver, you're going to be able to get some pretty good separation and put yourself in a position to maybe take advantage of a flank or a rear on another unit that they did not anticipate you being able to reach. So 
that itself is a pretty good card. I think uh, Ride Them Down might be better than people give it credit for, especially in Baratheon where you want to just be up and close and personal with with the enemy units. And uh, on the double, I, I gave a fringe example of the uh, the Zorse Riders, but anytime you can get additional distance, uh, it, it's always a good thing. So it's kind of a mixed bag here with uh with mounted stannis uh pretty decent cards not too impressive on his abilities so i think uh yeah i think he has a lot of potential is he going to be better than the other two stannises probably not but i don't know i think uh i think all three of his cards uh so i'll start with his attachment so yes i agree with you that the insight is very iffy. Um, I don't know. I think he's just okay. Um, I think he's clearly just going to be best in champions of the stag uh, with these abilities. Um, obviously, flayed men would be weird because they already have vicious. Um, and the other cavalry options are just too weak to consider putting in. And I don't think you're going to put him in Hedge Knights. I don't think you're going to put him in Zorse Riders. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. So, yeah, he's almost clearly going to be in Champions. Anyways, with that said, so I think he's just, I don't know, he's, he's low end of okay. So I don't. I would not go as far as to say he's bad. Um but low end of okay. Uh, cards, though, um, like you were saying, uh, I didn't know it until you pointed out, but yeah, Muster with that cool combo with the champion, or I mean the Dragonstone Noble, uh, could be really good. Um, and, uh, you know, charging in the flank, especially if they charged your dragon, you could put your dragon, if you, you could be risky, risky, but you could put your Dragonstone Noble out there get charged, couple, like, two wounds done to you, then muster, retreat. Uh, granted, uh, let's say you put it out there, but let's say by the time they charge you, you haven't activated yet. You could then uh, get charged, two wounds done to you, um, play muster, uh, retreat, maneuver, and then for his activation, charge you uh, in the flank with all those extra dice. Uh, and then uh, ride them down. So one of my absolute favorite things to do, this card would uh, counter it. One of my absolute favorite things to do is I'll move on to an objective as far as I can to where the objective is on the back half of my tray or the back end of my tray. And then you charge me. Even if you do a bunch of wounds, I then retreat one inch, control the objective. This allows you to re-engage and contest uh, that objective, um, and then potentially do even more, you know, more damage from those hits. Uh, this card, I think, is key for that one situation. Um, I, there's probably others, but I'm just saying this. That's like the number one for me. Is I, I'm sure I'm not like the only person to ever do do that, but there's been plenty of times where my opponent thinks they're going to contest the objective from me. And I just 
use the retreat action or I activate and just, I don't even bother attacking back, I just retreat because that extra victory point is worth more to me than trying to take out some wounds from my opponent and potentially not do enough and not control that objective anymore. But write them down. I mean, that could be, you know, that could win you some games by uh, re-engaging and denying some victory points. And then lastly, on the double has some neat little uh, combos. You can activate your slow-moving uh, um, champions and uh, play on the double, get three extra inches that your opponent wasn't expecting. Now you're uh, maneuvering seven. They become vulnerable. You play Stag's Wit, throw that vulnerable onto who you're about to charge, and then charge them. Uh, or, oh yeah, because they don't give vulnerable on the charge. Your opponent now becomes weakened, and now every cons uh, every combat after that, you'll re-vulnerable. So, granted, you're going to have to use two cards for that combo, but I think it's a little nifty, a nifty little thing that you can kind of do with this card. Now, one thing to bear in mind with On the Double is its interaction with Dance Dragons. So, this is adding three foot speed to your unit. This isn't like the three-inch shift that Tactical Reposition gives or that Varus gives. So you will not be able to use this to be able to get away with your maneuver and dance with dragons if you're holding the egg. But uh, in other scenarios where you're just trying to you know, gain a little bit of extra uh, momentum with your, with your initial maneuver, and it doesn't necessarily have to be your first maneuver. You can be a, a different maneuver if you're really trying to get in to, to a certain position and maybe a, a march isn't feasible. Uh, it's it's pretty useful. So, yeah, I I I, I think it I think it's gonna be all right. I when you become vulnerable at the end of it though, that's gonna be a sticking point for some. Uh, the champions of the stag with their two armor may not worry may not worry about it too much, but uh, Flademen or hedge knights definitely don't like being vulnerable all that much. So there is a downside to it. Uh, but when you're playing the positioning game, being able to get uh, three inches out of your cavalry unit is uh, it's going to be pretty useful. Yep, I agree. Um, can't tell you how many times, you know, Wendemir for Greyjoy is uh, using one of his tokens for a free three-inch shift and then doing what you're, whatever it was that you were going to do, you know, is, is so, uh, you know, it, it can be game-changing. And, I mean, granted, Wendemir can get you a bunch of tokens to let you do it a bunch of times, but the one upside that this card has over Wendemir is your opponent doesn't know when you have it. So you can really uh, sneak in. You know, this is like, uh, you know, like a... Um, what's the card I'm trying to think of? Uh, uh, swift reposition. <clears throat> this is very similar to swift reposition. Um, that uh, you know, you get that three inch uh, r uh, at the start of a turn without having that same uh, um, timing confliction. You know, so this is when they activate. 
Uh, so you can still play a, like a start of a turn effect, um, especially so, if. Uh, oh, go ahead. Check my math here. You can run muster and on the double in the same activation, and with that trick on the DSN, if you get a free seven-inch maneuver, can you go from the front to the rear? Um. Uh, da, da, da. Let me see. I have a tray right here. A nice little exercise, I think. But uh, I think it's close. Yeah. Because I know the size, especially on infantry trays, they're a little bit thinner. Uh, you might be able to sneak by. But, um, but yeah, even if you... Let's... Uh, well, I'm, getting the stuff out, uh, even if you couldn't get the rear, I still think that you, and granted, again, it would have to be three cards to do all this, but you yeah. could um, muster into uh, on the double, is that what it's called? Um, yeah. Uh, and then Stag's Wit. So let's assume that your opponent charged you, because that's kind of like the whole idea. If they charge you and go half, let's say, you know, they would go, you would be hanging off their end because the way the whole thing works. Let's say you only roll a one even. So, or no, you'd be activating, right? Yeah. So th they would charge you, go half, You'd activate retreat. Let's say you only roll one because that's still six inches. They don't. Um, I guess you wouldn't want to go the full six, so it wouldn't matter what you roll. So if you go too far, then you're not going to be able to get in their flank. You want to go the minimum, which would be let's see that far. Uh, if you go seven, then. Um, nope. I think you need no. eight inches. Uh, yeah. that's a bummer. You need at least eight inches to do that. Um, but anyway, so even, if, a, even with that said, you wouldn't be able to do it with, with any other unit because they're the only ones that can get the free retreat and the free maneuver by using muster. I was going to say, maybe with Flademen. No, not with Flademen because they don't get any free <laughs> stuff. Yep. So that was a cool idea, um, but yeah. still, charging the flank with a Dragonstone Noble, that's, you're looking at minus one for the flank, Sundering for another minus one, so uh, you're looking at minus two there. Uh, you're looking at uh, um, possibly extra auto hits because the Dragonstone Noble probably has some wounds on him. And then if you happen to have on the double and... Uh, Stag's Wit, you can vulnerable them to almost ensure that they fail every single one of your hits um, and really punch through a ton of damage. You'd be able so, to sneak around a I solo think, pretty well. Yep. Uh, or even just charge something else. Let's say, you know, if everything's like in a line in a, in a sense, like all like equal, you could uh, retreat, maneuver, 
and just face like a different direction and maybe charge one of their vulnerable uh, units that they like one of the units that they're hoping to keep back like a, a ranged unit or a solo or whatnot or maybe even just a unit on an objective um, that now you can go you know do something to them so overall I still think um, I'm more excited for uh, Justin Massey but I think Stannis I would say to anyone kind of, you know, willing to try, give him a, a good, a, a fair shake. And I think, uh, I think if you get creative enough with his tactics cards and whatnot, he could be really good. I think, uh, I think a lot of his cards uh, allow for some sneaky plays that could, over the course of the game, really, uh, really get you the win for other game for certain games that might otherwise um, have not gone gone your way so uh, did you have anything you wanted to kind of like add as at the end there like to kind of to round out the the show no I think there's some pretty welcome additions in this box uh, we'll have to stay tuned for uh, for part two of the hero box reveal I think you're doing it Friday uh, yep I don't think there's as much uh, excitement from from that box as there is for this one. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert! I uh, I think the box is better than what most people think, but I don't think it's some amazing thing. So I'll leave it at that. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, you know, that way uh, people have a reason to go listen to it. Um, that one will be me and uh, Spencer. Maybe Brett will want to be greedy and jump on and give his uh, his thoughts on it. Um, you never know, because that will be around the time that he's normally free. So we'll see. Um, with that said, uh, just shout outs. You know, try to help out your local uh, shops. You know, buy from them whenever possible if you have one that's near you. Uh, definitely check out the other content creators, Sunday Slaughter, Attorney uh, uh, Grounds, Song of Ice Fire Stats. All that stuff. Definitely go check all that stuff out. Support your uh, support the local content creators uh, uh, and anyone doing content out there. You know, we're all kind of just doing it for you guys, and uh, you know, I hope uh, hope you guys enjoy uh, enjoy the content. Um, with that said, upcoming, you know, again, upcoming tournaments here upcoming. in Kansas City. We have one coming up oh, this yes. Saturday. And then the big one that we're aiming for, we're aiming for a uh, large turnout December 10th. That's a Saturday. I think Craig is already committed to coming. Uh, we're looking to have you know, as many players as we can get. We just want to have one big one to close out the year with. Uh, so if you are thinking at all about being in the Kansas City area and want to get a uh, tournament in, we'd be happy to have you. Yep. Same, uh, we're having uh, ours this weekend. Uh, I think we're almost full, though, so if you really want to go, I would say uh, sign up right away or let me know because um, this uh, Saturday is extremely busy at our shop. So uh, I think we're given, like, 12 spots, and that was, like, with adding, like, an extra table um, that, you know, they normally wouldn't have. Uh, 
but that's just because they have like a 40k tournament and other things going on. Next month, though, uh, we'll potentially have uh, um, like 14, 16 spots open uh, in December. Uh, every second Saturday, if you guys are interested, if you're in the, if you're already in the area, or if you will be in the area, it's uh, Mount Prospect in Illinois. Uh, that's like, uh, it's like 30 minutes northwest of Chicago. So definitely uh, check that out. Also, if you're ever curious about uh, tournaments in your area, check out asongoficefirestats.com. They have a list of a ton of tournaments always going on all over the world. Um, and then check out some of the discords. Uh, more so, I would say Sunday Slaughter. Uh, they have like a uh, in per like in real life uh, tournament like tab that you can go on that will tell you uh, a bunch of tournaments that are happening that more often than not that tab is for um, for tournaments happening in the US so definitely check all that out you know um, you know I'd love to see you guys make it out to some of our events um, but with that said everyone thank you so much for listening in uh, I really appreciate all that uh, you know that listen to our show uh, and thank you, Cyrus, for coming on. Um, I, I appreciate all of my co-hosts. You know, without them, uh, the show wouldn't happen. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to do it. All right, guys. Take care, and I will see you Friday. still here.